Laura Hammond, and I'm Director of Content here at PracticeLink. And joining us today is Travis Singleton, who's the Senior Vice President at Merritt Hawkins. Welcome, Travis. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the Merritt Hawkins survey that just came out. And you all have been doing this for a number of years, is that right? That's right. So uh, I'm with Merritt Hawkins. I've been with Merritt Hawkins for the past 18 plus years. So we're an AMN healthcare company. Uh, AMN Healthcare is the largest publicly traded healthcare staffing company in the United States. Uh, we do all modalities, uh, permanent and temporary. Specifically for this survey, Merritt Hawkins is the largest permanent physician and advanced practice staffing company in the United States. So we do work in all 50 states, all delivery systems, uh, anywhere from three to 4,000 individual searches per year. Uh, this particular survey to our medical final year resident survey, uh, we've done pretty much on and off every other year since 1991. Wow. So we, we always strive to have the best data uh, in the very reliable category. Uh, so we use the University of Tennessee, their statistical response analysis team. Uh, this past year, it was just over 22,000 final year residents, uh, which is essentially everyone who's got good contact information with AMA. That's great. So you surveyed all of them, and it seems like the news for this survey was how many job offers physicians are receiving. So how does that compare to previous years? That's right. So to be specific, uh, it's specific job solicitations, uh, just to make sure people don't think it's a formal job offer. Uh, finally, your resident hasn't gone on 250 interviews or whatever would be necessary to get 100 formal offers. Um, so we track, yes, yeah, so how the specific offers, not only how many they get, but how they're approached, how they like to be approached. If you look at this last year, um, just over 70% got 50 or more solicitations, specific solicitations. You look at over 100 solicitations, that was 50% of residents. So if you look at that 100 plus club, um, that is certainly the highest percentage that we've ever seen. If, if you want to put that in comparison, go back to, say, the late 90s, uh, where only about 10 to 15% of final year residents would be over that 100 plus solicitation club. And even in the early aughts, uh, it was higher than that, but slightly. So while this isn't a new problem, it certainly is an escalation of a problem we've had before. Mm. So was there any um, specialties that came out as the people who were, as the specialties that were receiving the most amount of job offers more than any other specialties? There was. So we track it in three different categories. So we do primary care, uh, and in that category, 56% got 100 plus or more. Uh, you look at mental health or psychiatry, they were right at 48% got 100 or more. Uh, and then we did specialty care, and that was right at 46% or more. So the story there is it's pretty ubiquitous. Um, we're seeing demand across all different modalities. I mean, you could say primary care certainly isn't the most demand, but everyone is in demand. And I think this survey, as we pointed out in previous surveys, but this survey clearly shows we are at a tipping point uh, of sorts. So this isn't a new problem, as I said before. Um, you know, we have more patients entering our healthcare system at a greater frequency than we've ever had. Uh, we have more uh, people that are insured in the United States than we've ever had. We've got more delivery vehicles, so more ways to access our healthcare system than we've ever had. Uh, and we're doing this all at the same time that we haven't materially changed supply uh, at all, or at least since 1997, since the Balanced Budget Act when they capped residency programs. So you didn't need a PhD to know that this was coming, right? Uh, in fact, 
we even we keep a letter on file from 2007 from the AMA. We did wrote us and, and literally said, please stop soliciting our residents during the day because they're getting so many. We need to make this after hours. Mm. So, and that was 10 plus years ago. So again, not a new problem, but more of an escalation of a problem that we already had. So um, what are some strategies that physicians can use to sort through and compare all those different offers or solicitations? Yeah, it's obviously getting harder, right? They're getting more of it. Um, first thing I would say is don't go it alone. You don't have to. Um, 20 years ago, that was sort of the world you were in, right? Uh, you were at the mercy of your program director, whatever they chose to share with you or what they could teach you about a delivery system, or frankly, whatever else you could find your own. Now, there's several organizations out there on some form or fashion in this process that will gauge you through it. So whether it's a company like mine, the Mayor Hawkins, we have a full ebook, if you will, that's just, uh, just on how to evaluate different practices, what to look for in practice, how to go after your first practice, things to uh, question. Uh, you, you can look at other organizations like ACHA or MGMA or depending on what you're looking for, AMGA. Um, there's no real reason to walk into a market uninformed. Uh, and I would say that's the biggest difference. Even if you want to take it to a specific sex, so take like, uh, take compensation for an example. Uh, our numbers show the recruitable market. So what our clients have to put on the table and guarantee you to recruit you to come work for them. So take that number and then compare that to uh, Medscape or an NGMA or someone else that says this is what you should make when you're out in practice and you're all in. So with production or benefits. Uh, the point is, uh, you know what you're worth going into each different market. Very good. So um, I know one of the other things that the Merritt Hawkins survey covered was um, what factors a physician considers the most when they're looking for that first or, or, or next practice out of residency, um, maybe even beyond compensation. Can you talk a little bit about what those factors are and how they compare to previous years? Yeah, in fact, it's a misnomer that compensation always leads the pack because it, it relatively doesn't. Um, so this past year, we saw a new leader, if you want to look at it that way, for what was most critical when evaluating their first practice career, and that was adequate call coverage of personal time. So in other words, what they're telling you is um, they value schedule and time. So if you think of it this way, we went from a where is it and what's my compensation package to a what is my schedule and what's my free time off? That, that is a new generation of physicians that's looking for jobs. And effectively, on top of it just being a new generation and thinking and operating differently as we're gonna get with different physicians, um, a lot of people erroneously compare residents and finally your residents coming out to other industrial sex. So think about it uh, like IT or business or marketing. Um, you think of that new guy coming out, fired out, ready to take their career on, right? Uh, they're energized. It's not that final year residents aren't, it's that they're as likely to be burnt out as they are excited, and they really try to gauge those two halves of the brain. So it's difficult in that sense. And in fact, you, all, you saw another data point in the survey where 23% of them said if they could do this all over again, they wouldn't, which is a very alarming number. And it tells you that they're burnt out by the time they get to the first practice. So they're, they're on essence voting with their feet, and they're saying this is what's important to me, this is what a practice has to give me, uh, and for the most part, the market is responding. 
Yeah, actually, that's a great tie-in to um, Practice Link Magazine's upcoming quality of life issue. We're covering does work-life balance still exist? And a lot of the physicians that we talked to for that article said it's not so much balance anymore. It's just kind of integrating it when you're looking at a full career um, and your next practice opportunity. How can you integrate that um, that balance, even if sometimes it's going to be overloaded to work and sometimes it'll be um, heavily loaded to, to personal time? But it sounds like that's becoming more of an issue even during the job search too it is before the preparation and again I don't want to quality of life is different for everybody right um, one man's burden is another man's paradise so you really have to find out what's right for you and that's what we tell these residents to do is try to get the emotional side out of it don't go into it thinking I'm going to compare this job against this job against this job you'll be more confused in 30 days than the day you start uh, what we try to do is do some soul searching partner with an organization that you trust Find out what you want. You talk about that quality of life. What does that mean to you? Uh, is that schedule? Is that hours work? Is it patient seen? Is it scope of work? Is it delivery system? Is it freedom to make medical decisions that are outside of what you see in delivery health systems? Whatever it is, you need to be clear on what that is before you go into the job search. And I don't want to uh, belittle the other parts of looking for a career. Compensation is important, of course, right? No one wants to work for a wage that they don't think is commensurate for what they do. That being said, when you look at our market today, and you look at the employment boom across our market, the one thing that that has done for us is standardized compensation. So and it's not like compensation isn't important anymore, it's that now most people are employed and you pretty much have a bar of what you're going to get out of training. Go back 10 years ago when it was all independent practices evaluating compensation and you were negotiating buyouts and call coverage and uh, collections and partnership, uh, yeah, I get it. That's a mixed bag and, and you really didn't know what you were gonna get. That's not the case. Same thing for other things that always come up in the survey. Geography will always be important, right? More for what they want versus the practicing, but that's a different story. Uh, and then I'll say debt. Uh, debt, of course, most residents come out with uh, a large amount of debt. That's never not going to be important in healthcare. What I would say is they started ranking it low on the list because it's being addressed. Uh, 15 years ago, you had to go work in an underserved area or maybe for a federal entity, frankly, to have your loan forgiven, forgiven or you had to get debt. Versus now, it's pretty ubiquitous part of the package for all delivery systems. So again, still important, yes, they comfortable as being addressed. Yeah, I love that point. That's great. And something that I haven't heard a lot of before that compensation and um, and loan forgiveness are still important, but maybe there's just so much transparency around that now that it's not uh, necessarily something you have to fight for um, because organizations are willing to respond to that. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Travis. And um, if you can join us anytime for more career advancement resources for physicians at practicelink.com. Thank you.